You're listening to Joe Radio Live. Positive and motivational content just for you. Do enjoy and share. It's time for your Hit Your Scripture. Today's Hit Your Scripture is taken from Psalm 17, verses 8 and 9. And it says, Keep me as the apple of thy eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who come past me about. I'll read it again. Keep me as the apple of thy eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who come past me about. That was your Hitier scripture. Hi, I'm Servant JJ, Reverend Jennifer McGregor, and I'm here to promote my new release, the book, Save But Bound, A Church in Denial. Get your copy today. Don't delay. Order now. To pre-order, contact me via Messenger, Jennifer McGregor, or on WhatsApp, 1-868-792-9430. That's 1-868-792-9430. Looking forward to hearing from you. Come on, get this book today. You will not regret having it. Saved but bound, a church in denial. Shalom, Maranatha. My mind goes to the word embrace. You you can't embrace unless you have both your arms, right? Right. Got to be empty in order to be able to embrace. You can't embrace if you're caring bags, Mm. unforgiveness, offense, pleasing people, right? Right. So one of our favorite scriptures, and I'm sure you guys love this, is Jeremiah 29, 11. And uh, I'm going to read the NIV. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Isn't that sweet? So good. (laughs) Plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah. You know, And, and, and so in order to embrace your future, you have to let go of your past. Right. You have to drop the bags. You have right. to refocus. Right. Right? Nobody can embrace their future looking back mm-hmm. over your shoulder all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's, I'm going to ask a few questions. And um, how can we, I'm, I'm going to go for Joyce first. Okay. okay. Joyce. We were all hoping you would. <laughs> We're all gonna defer. <laughs> That's right. That. Oh, yeah. but stay there. There's so many I want to do, but but I'm, I'm gonna take. I'm, I'm gonna ask you this one. How has embracing the future taught you the necessity of trusting God? Well, first of all, nobody knows what the future holds. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't. You know, it's we've all learned that right. this year. Yeah, <laughs> you just, yeah. That's you, true. Things can change drastically from one day to the next. But the word hope that you talked about to give you hope, several years ago, I found out what hope really means, what it really is. Hmm. And it's been been so good for me, and I think it's helped a lot of other people. You know, when we think about hope, it's it's almost kind of wishy-washy. I hope, but I'm not sure. But Bible hope is an entirely totally different thing and it actually means the the expectation of something good and so we have to learn to confess that yeah it's a discipline yeah 
in order to get to the mindset and the perspective that you can expect good to happen to you mm -hmm. every day because that's the love of God, that's the heart of God. Yes. And, and we all know that we can activate the power of evil or the power of life when we mm -hmm. speak. There's that's power right. in our tongues. Yes. So it's so important. We were talking about that earlier, that words right. matter. Yes, they right. do. Words matter. Those of you who are watching, your words matter. That's right. You have to remember, we have the power in our tongues to create the atmosphere and the life that we want. Mm. If you don't want it, don't say it. Yeah, yeah. Wow, right. Right? right. So good. You if you don't want it, it don't it. say it. <laughs> I tell people, I learned, I learned, the first time I really heard this was years ago, I think it was, um, oh, I can't think of her name right now, God. Uh, but anyway, an awesome woman pastor, and, and she was saying how she was speaking. She raised her daughter to, to live right and to do the things. And during this time, her daughter had just strayed away and was living all types of ways. And she was just complaining about that. She would just say it. And then the Lord told her, Start speaking what you want. Mm -hmm. Speak right. what you want. Mm -hmm. And so she said she started speaking. My my daughter loves God, and yeah. she's she's living for Him. And and sure enough, she had the testimony that her daughter came back to the Lord, and and all of that, right? So I was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to use this. <laughs> my son was a teenager at the time, and I looked at him, Mama Joyce, and I said, you are a mighty man of God, and yeah. every gift you have, God is going to use. Yeah. And he looked at me and said. You don't even believe that yourself. <laughs> I'm trying to convince you and me. Well, sometimes you have to speak it until you believe it. And I kept saying it, and I kept saying it, and I kept saying it, and now he's preaching the gospel of yeah. Jesus, you know? And so the only way we're going to embrace our future is that we embrace God's plan. That's right. Realize that God is embracing us. You know, he's got you. He's never going to tell you to That's step right. out for you to fall. That's he right. loves you so much. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this video. Subscribe today and you'll never miss a new upload. Thanks for being a part of our Better Together community. The lyrics of his song say, Though sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It reminds me of the scripture that says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I know you're going through trying times, you're going through the toughest phase of your life. It seems as though all odds are against you and you just want to give up. You're probably already wondering if God still hears your prayers or if he's just chosen to not pay you any attention. Like you, I've faced difficult times in my life, but one striking thing is that I always came out alive. And this has built a resolve in me such that when going through situations, I've learned to tell myself, this cannot last forever. This too, like every other one, shall pass. When you're going through hardship, deep disappointment, or some struggle that seems impossible, it's easy to be tempted to think, I cannot stand this for one more day. But that's not true. That's only a lie that the devil attempts to fill your mind with. If you are a child of God, then nothing you're going through now is going to last forever. You have probably carried a heavy load on your heart for the past few years. Maybe someone hurt you in the most gruesome way ever. You might have suffered heartbreaks, physical pain, and physical trauma from the past. Let me share a story with you. Not too long ago, I was in pain. A deep kind of emotional pain. In fact, I was in such shambles that I really thought my life was over and the pain I felt would be something I would have to live and deal with forever. Now you can begin to guess those things that can cause a human to think that way. Especially for us who are Christians and have the assurance of eternal life with a life on earth with the promise to be guided and directed by our Father. 
Especially for us who are Christians and have the assurance of an eternal life with a life on earth with a promise to be guided and directed by a Father whose love and care for us is boundless. However, certain things can happen. A divorce, the death of a parent, a sudden accident and illness and so many others. It is very possible that your very first real heartbreak can leave you twisting and turning in the sea of sorrow and grief. This video is dedicated to all those who have or currently are experiencing any kind of pain so deep that you're convinced that you will live with a void in your heart for the rest of your life. This video is dedicated to all those who have or are currently experiencing any kind of pain so deep that you are convinced that you're convinced that you will live with a void in your heart for the rest of your life. For the longest part of my life, I was a good child. I was raised in a godly environment. I went to church on Sunday and Tuesdays. I went to church on Sundays and on Tuesdays I attended Bible study. I was a chorister in my church. I did not enter any relationship because I always wanted my first relationship to be with a person I would spend the rest of my life with. Eventually in my fifth year in the university, I met this person. I liked her a lot. I took her in prayers to God. I had learned to make God my first point of contact. After some weeks of praying, I felt the leading of God to approach her. I did. Some weeks after, she accepted my proposal. That we began the journey of our future. It was my first time loving someone so much. You know what they say about first love being the strongest kind of love? You know what they say about first love being the strongest kind of love? Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I know I love this woman immensely. Three years into our relationship, she was done with school and we were both working. I still remember wearing my white shirt and deep blue trousers and spraying all my favorite perfume. I wanted to look my best. It had to be a day she was not going to forget. I'm not so much of a public person, so I had booked a very cozy restaurant for us. It had to be perfect. Now, to cut the long story short, I got on one knee, asked my beautiful fiancé after saying all the beautiful words turning and swirling in my heart after a long minute of rehearsal. I finally asked if she'll marry me. You can already guess her answer by now. I grew from the very happy, jovial, high-spirited person to someone with so much doubts, so much pain, so much anger. I could never understand why she did what she did. I could never really understand. From that day onwards, so much changed about me. I grew suspicious of every single person around me. It felt to me like they were all liars, all pretenders, good pretenders for that matter. I stayed away from anyone who I felt was too good to be true. Did I overreact? I don't think so. You think that's the end of my story? No, follow me. Meanwhile, kindly like, share, and subscribe to this YouTube channel for more enlightening and inspiring content. Apparently, my first love turned out to be my first heartbreak. Now, after a while of trying to make things work and constantly believing that I was in God's will, one night I went on Facebook to discover the love of my life in a short time we were apart from each other has gotten married to someone. Apparently, my first love turned out to be my first heartbreak. After a while of trying to make things work and constantly believing that I was in God's will, one night I went on Facebook to discover the love of my life and a short time we were apart from each other had gotten married to someone else. I was surrounded with grief and deep sorrow. I cried out to God, now wondering if I even can hear him, if it were him or the devil leading me in this relationship all along. Dear listeners, pain is real. Disappointment is real. And it doesn't take much living in this world to find out the hard way. It's been about a year since that painful evening when my hopes were shattered. I remember for the first five months of my grief, I constantly believed that I would have to live with the pain of a broken heart for all of my life. 
They say men are not supposed to cry or express emotions, and that made everything worse for me. For the longest part of my journey, I bottled it all in. I questioned my ability to hear God and questioned His love for me. I questioned my ability to be a good person. Else, why would anyone leave me? But eventually, I opened it all up. In my healing journey, I heard many people testifying they felt the same way after their first real heartbreak. This means I was not alone. Many times the devil takes advantage of our hurts and wounds and tempts us to think many times a day that our trials are going to last forever, that we'll hurt for the rest of our lives or that the negative effects of our problems will be permanent. We think and sometimes fear our pain will follow us everywhere we go as long as we live. But the truth is, nothing on earth lasts forever. The only thing we have that is eternal is our life in Christ. In the context of eternity, the struggles that seem unending in this life are actually quite brief. And sometimes, it's all a matter of time. Sometimes we just need to trust God's timing that eventually, all will be well. You're probably here because you're in pain. And I know you're tired of hearing about the silver linings and you're fed up of trying to look on the bright side, like everyone always says. Now maybe you can't even find a bright side. I know you're sick of putting on a brave face for the world. I know you're done with people telling you that the gain is in the pain. Look, many people do not know what you're going through. You either covered it up well enough, or they aren't seen beyond the fake smile on your lips. Now, they think your life is all rainbows and butterflies because you hid your pain. They don't understand because they only see what is going on on the outside. They don't know what a soldier you are. Fighting your way through the hard times as if nothing is wrong. They don't see that your insides hurt and your body feels heavy. No one realizes that under your smile, you're struggling with pain and exhaustion. No one knows that under your kindness, you're suffering from loneliness and confusion. You hide it so gracefully, you hide it with ease, but you secretly pray that someone will notice the pain you're in. You pray that someone will help you and maybe even save you. Maybe this video is the answer to all you're going through. And yeah, from someone who's gone through his own share of pain, I can tell you that your pain will not last forever. Can I tell you a secret? Sometimes all you need is patience. If only you can be patient, there's a possibility you might be able to find a little silver lining. A bit of truth is the fact that the wrong things don't work out for a reason. You don't just fail just to fail. You don't fall down just to stay down. The letdowns, the stumbles, and the heartbreaks, these things shape you. They help you grow. They teach you how to be resilient and brave. And if you're lucky, they teach you how strong you are. They force you to grow up, sometimes in a matter of years and sometimes in just a matter of seconds. But in those moments, seconds, or years, you learn that you are capable of getting through pretty much anything. And that realization is very special. Dear listener, have you noticed that every single time you actually thought life has reached its absolute lowest, that you've reached your worst point one way or the other, you've always bounced back? Do a quick reminiscence to that time when you thought your heart couldn't take it anymore. The betrayals, the disappointments, everything. But every time life has crushed your heart, your heart has continued to beat taking one step at a time, again and again. Now, every time you thought the world was ending, you woke back up again and eventually you felt okay again. See, this too shall pass. God can many times use those heartaches and brokenness to mold us into better people and show us areas of our lives that we must get in order if we want to go higher. Look, nothing is ever wasted. Now, this is not to say that God orchestrated those terrible situations, but rather God turns those situations, those times that you're in your lowest place, to highlight things that we needed to work on all along. But we couldn't see as a result of one thing or the other. 
I've often seen heartbreak lead people into therapy sessions where they discovered they had limiting beliefs about themselves and others that could have been major problems had they gotten married. It's also often said that sometimes rejection could be God's protection. Now, while I do not want to discount the painful event of heartbreak and disappointment, I encourage you not to also discount the glorious process of becoming a better version of yourself and getting the chance to start over, not from scratch, but from experience. Paul's point in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 17 to 18 tells us something important. Verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It is that seasons of difficulty always pass. Every moment of your affliction is meaningful. It has meaning. It's doing something, causing something, bringing about something glorious. You can't see this. The world can't see this. They think, and you're tempted to think, that this suffering is meaningless. It's not doing any good. I can't see any good coming out of this. That's what you feel if you focus on the scene. They don't last forever. Going through trials is tough, but God is always with us, helping us, encouraging us, and fighting our battles for us. He never wants us to stay in pain. He always wants us to heal. Now do not forget to like, share, and subscribe to this YouTube channel for more enlightening and inspiring content. There are certain things you need to know about God and about this phase that you're going through if you believe that your pain will not last forever. God feels your pain. Oh yes, he feels your pain and he knows what you're going through. He sees how battered and frustrated you are. He sees how much you're hurting and he feels it. You know, it's very possible to go through certain things sometimes and you're angry with God. Why did God make me go through that? Why did he let me get hurt this way? Why did he let me lose my job even when he knew I was innocent? So many whys. You ask so many questions and you begin to doubt if God actually understands what you're going through. Do you remember the story of Jesus? That even though he could have whisked away all the physical and emotional pain he faced, he chose to endure it. He suffered loss, betrayal and distrust. He offered his love freely and was rejected, mocked and abused. Eventually he was crucified, enduring unimaginable physical pain. The scripture tells us that because Jesus experienced everything we face, he's able to help us. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is able to comfort you in your pain because he has already gone through it. He knows the ache of loneliness, the sting of betrayal and the pain of rejection. You also need to know that sometimes all it takes is trusting God. Man works with time, but God is not controlled by time. God has a time and a season that he does his things, and the scriptures say that God makes everything beautiful in his time. Sometimes that disappointment and heartbreak could be God buying you more time to learn certain things or him allowing you to wait till you meet the right opportunity. That way that seems right to you might eventually lead to destruction. Now God is never late. He's always on time. Man's definition of early might not be the same with God, but we know that he's a wise God. Now let us examine the life of the patriarchs in the Bible. Do you remember the story of Joseph? He was sold into Egyptian slavery by his brothers. Though he had earned his master's trust and was allowed to work freely in the house, the seducing spirit and lies of a woman thrust Joseph into prison. God granted Joseph an understanding of his dreams while he was unjustly serving his time. Joseph interpreted a dream one day which could have been his way out of jail. 
but the man who should have spoken for Joseph's freedom forgot about him for two years. When Joseph was released from prison, it was to take an elevated position in the government. Joseph knew the region would go through a devastating drought. He made preparations to help save the people. In doing so, he was able to rescue his brother who had treated him so badly. Let's examine the story of Elijah. The difference between 1 Kings 18 and 1 Kings 19 is very loud. In chapter 18, Elijah is bold and courageous, victoriously facing all kinds of odds with the chapter concluding the hand of God was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. Elijah experienced God's supernatural strength to do the extraordinary. But in chapter 19, we find Elijah fearful, running scared, exhausted, depressed and wanting to die. Chapter 19 helps us to see the cause of the change in Elijah. King Ahab tells the notorious Jezebel what Elijah had done. She reacts with revenge and threatens Elijah's life. Elijah runs for his life down to Beersheba in the desert in the southernmost part of Judah, leaving his servant. He continues another day's journey further into the desert, crawls under a scrubby tree and in deep depression asks God to let him die. Have you ever been there in the gloom of despair and defeats when your expectations exploded in your face? I don't know what Elijah was expecting. With the power of God so clearly manifested, perhaps Elijah thought there would be some change in Ahab. Some positive response with the result that there were going to be changes in the kingdom of Israel. We aren't told. We can only guess. To cut the long story short, do you know what happened to Jezebel? She was thrown off the roof by Jehu and dogs ate her. But that's not the point. The point is that when the man of God named Elijah was scared and depressed, God heard him and God felt his fears. However, one important thing to not be forgotten is that God always has the final say. No matter how terrible and impossible the situation appears, or how there appears to be no answer, no help, no hope, God will see you through because He and He alone has the final say. We put periods in our lives where God puts commas. We think it's over, period. Our marriages, our families, our jobs, our health, our futures. But God puts a comma in those places because it's not over until He says it's over. Lazarus was dead and decaying for four days in that tomb. That's more than a period. And that's an exclamation mark. But it wasn't over. Lazarus was dead and decaying for four days in that tomb. That's more than a period. That's an exclamation mark. But it wasn't over. God put a comma in that place. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. His organs functioning. The rotten skin is made new again. Now do you remember the story of David? Psalms 13 is about the psalm that paints a vivid picture of how David felt when Saul was after his life. He was in deep pain. In this psalm, David is all alone and momentarily felt that even God had left him. David left Gath and was so alone that he despairs. David left Gath and was so alone that he despairs. Now David feels abandoned and moves to a new location that is very foreign to him. David wrote Psalm 13, How to overcome the feelings of despair, abandonment and loneliness when we are in a very dark situation that seems hopeless. The tone of this whole period of cave times is described by David in the first verse of Psalms 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I shall sing unto the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. I read someone. Cave times can happen to anyone. What are the causes of these cave times? Cave times can start through a prolonged season of sickness when strength keeps failing. Your dreams become bleak by the day and so does hope. 
Cave times can also start with an unanticipated job loss and subsequent tangling, growing, and seemingly hopeless financial needs. Cave times commonly occur in difficult and frustrating marriages with family difficulties. If you have a child who's wayward, it's a serious cause of concern. Cave times can happen in form of a demanding and unreasonable employer, a grueling and monotonous work schedule, or a jealous, spiteful, and injurious co-worker. These times are usually very depressing and lonely because others no longer seem as supportive or as friendly. An abandoned feeling that communicates negative thoughts which births negative emotions. No one cares for me. Like David, you might even conclude that God has abandoned me. You might be going through your period of caving, your period of intense pain. But one thing you must never forget is that God hears you. He feels you and he knows of your pain. C.S. Lewis once said, Pain is the megaphone of God where he whispers to us in our pleasures. He shouts to us in our pain. This statement is in many forms true. Have you observed that it only takes even the minutest forms of pain for God to get our focus? All you have to do is have an issue with your hubby or wife, a problem with one of your friends, a problem at your office or a physical problem with yourself and your quick response will be to run to God because really, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Where else do we go? We're quick to give more attention to God in times of displeasure than any other time. This quick response to pain has been a common reoccurrence in many generations of Christian history. Take Jonah for example. After the Lord clearly instructed him to go to Nineveh to preach, Jonah chose to go the other way, looking for an escape route. But his runaway mission was aborted and he landed in the belly of a whale. Something happened inside the whale. He began to pray, reminding himself of God's past faithfulness and requesting that God delivers him from this untoward incident. But wait, isn't it surprising that Jonah was alive in the whale for three whole days? As God promised in Psalms 34 verse 18, he was all the way with Jonah and saved him from the whale. And just like God proved his faithfulness to Jonah in the time of pain and fear, he would definitely prove his faithfulness to you in your trying season as well. Irrespective of what you're going through, it doesn't matter how badly you've been hurt, no matter how disappointed, upset, or confused you are, remember that God is always close to you. He would always help you through every one of them. Now my prayer for you is that even in this phase of pain, you allow this season to point you towards God and not away from Him. I pray that you see the handwriting of God in every page of your life and how that he's intentional about you. I pray that your heart is assured that God will never leave you nor forsake you and in due time, your mourning will come and nobody will be able to stop it. Lastly, I pray that when you feel like withdrawing and keeping to yourself, you're surrounded by men of the Spirit who would redirect your thoughts and emotions to your Heavenly Father and His love for you. Whatever you're going through, remember that it won't last. This too shall pass. Now don't forget to like, share and subscribe to this channel if this video has blessed you. It's time for your health news. Let's switch gears now to health and to an issue that millions of people experience, acid reflux. Now, it's not a pleasant experience, but there are some natural dietary and lifestyle changes you can make to help to control it. Uh, to help you out with that, we've got registered holistic nutritionist Andrea Donsky here, and she's going to share those with us right now. So uh, heartburn or acid reflux is something that I actually have not been through, but I've had so many close relatives, friends describe what it's like. Very painful. Um, and you used to get a lot of that when you were pregnant, and I've heard that happens a lot in pregnancy, right? Yes, for me, it's when I was pregnant, that was the only time I really had it with all three of my kids in the first trimester. And now that I think back, it was probably because of all the ice cream I was eating. And we're going to talk about trigger foods in a minute, but it makes a lot of sense. 
So that, you're right, Tracy, it's very painful. It's that burning sensation you get behind the breastbone that can travel up to the throat in the form of a liquid acid. And there are so many natural remedies that we can do that can help either prevent it or help us find relief. The one thing I do want to mention, though, is if you have any pre-existing medical conditions, please speak to your doctor before trying any of the natural remedies. So one of the most popular natural remedies for heartburn is aloe vera juice. Now, it's been around for a long, long time, and it helps to reduce inflammation in the body. It also helps to reduce that acidity. It has over 200 different, different bioactive components, including polysaccharides, that help with our overall health and digestion. Acid reflux, it, as I understand it, it's just it's too much stomach acid. Am I correct? Actually, in fact, for many people, it's too little stomach, stomach acid. I know it sounds really crazy, but it's too little stomach acid. So something else that you could do is you can take a supplement called HCL, which is betaine hydrochloride. Betaine hydrochloride is the, acid, is the acidic form of betaine, and it helps you to digest your food, so helping to prevent that acid reflux. So you want to look for digestive enzymes that have it in it. You can take it on its own, and if you're getting in the form of a digestive enzyme, make sure that that, that digestive enzyme also has pepsin in it. Pepsin helps to break down protein in our meals into, small poly, into small, smaller peptides that help us digest our food better. Now, we want to take HCL when we're eating a bigger meal that has protein in it. Very important. Now, some people don't like HCL. They find it doesn't really help. If that's the case for you, try digestive bitters. Digestive bitters are amazing because they naturally help to increase the stomach acid. So your stomach acid. So what you do is you spray it three or four times in your mouth. Tastes really bitter, which is what it's supposed to do. And then you do it about 10 to 15 minutes before you eat. And again, it'll help you digest your food better. Okay, and create more acid. That's interesting. Okay, are there any foods that can actually help you out with this? Oh yeah, there are so many different foods. So first of all, ginger has been used for centuries as a digestive tonic. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that you're using fresh ginger root. Now it's anti-inflammatory, it's alkaline, and it also has been shown, newer research shows that it, it can help suppress H. pylori, and it can block the acid from coming back into your esophagus. You can also try apple cider vinegar. Now this is more of a home remedy, but some people swear by it. There's not as much research as there is, let's say, on ginger, but some people do love it, and it'll naturally increase that stomach acid as well. You want to take a teaspoon to a tablespoon, dilute it in eight ounces of water, and then drink it again about 30 minutes before you eat. And then, of course, fruits and vegetables, Tracy. I know we talk about this a lot. Make sure that you're getting a lot of alkaline foods in your diet, as well as fiber. That'll help to move the food, move the food along through your digestive system, and it'll also help to keep you more alkaline. Okay, so we've covered the food. Now, how about the lifestyle aspects that might help you out with this? So some things that we can do is we want to make sure we're eating smaller meals. We want, to, we want to avoid foods that are triggering us. So for example, a lot of people say chocolate or coffee, dairy, spicy foods are all triggers. You can keep a food journal to really tell what foods are triggering you. And we don't want to be drinking with our meals, whether that's water or whether that's wine. Sorry, Tracy. But we really want to avoid li liquids <laughs> because that helps to dilute the actual digestive juices. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then chew your food slowly. Eat slowly. Give yourself three to four hours before after you eat and before you go to bed, wear loose, clo loose clothing so it's not constricting your stomach area and keep your BMI and your weight in check. Okay, very interesting, don't drink and eat. What if we were to add just a bit of that aloe vera to the wine, then is it okay? <laughs> just joking. No, Andrea, no, great sorry. info as <laughs> always. <laughs> Thank you.